You're listening to the AID Network. Hey, friends. Yeah, I know. 2020. It's been a weird year, and it's going to get even weirder. But let me tell you something. This is one thing that I can do for you that I also believe that I need to do for me. Tuesday, October 13th, over on Twitch, over on YouTube, Oogie Bricky's Halloween Party. That's right. We can't get into Disneyland. We can't get into DCA. But what we can do is come together as a community and celebrate Halloween, one of the best events all year long in Disneyland. And we can do that together. So join me Tuesday night from 6 to 10 Disneyland time over on Twitch, over on YouTube, Oogie Bricky's Halloween Bash. Oh, we're going to have a good time. Hey, friends, real quick, just want to apologize. I know that the show is coming out a day late, and a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I missed an episode. I'm just letting you know that when I took on this task of creating Disneyland for Designers every week until the park reopened, I had no idea we would go this far. So I'm doing the best I can over on my end to, to meet this deadline. I just didn't know that this workload was going to go on for this long. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating it's a lot. When the park reopens, I have a plan so that we can keep this going. And many of you have been asking me how you can help. Well, the one way you can help until the park reopens is just tell a friend. Tell a friend that you're enjoying these conversations, that you're enjoying Disneyland for Designers. And that is the greatest tip that you can give me right now. But don't worry. As time develops, I will let you know how you can help me keep all of this going for a really long time and add even more content that you and I can get together and celebrate this place that we love and more importantly, the community that loves it together. Let's get started with today's episode right after this. It's Jared and myself talking all about Wonderground Gallery. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your, your fandom by making a limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust, and Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they passed that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. We are in strange times, strange times indeed. But these are times when all of us need to do what we have to do to get by to make ends meet, and to make sure that we're here for tomorrow. So today's conversation, it's definitely not Star Wars against Wonderground Gallery. It's not Downtown Disney against art. It's these are times where companies, corporations, people have to make hard, hard decisions. So Jared and I are looking at, I'm sure, the hard decision that Disney and Downtown Disney had to make when they decided that the Wonderground Gallery was the best place for their Star Wars pop-up shop. So instead of trashing Disney for this decision, instead of acting like we know better, we can only assume that this isn't what they want to do, and we can only assume that Wonderground will be back sooner than later, we hope. But until then, we can remember what a monumental shop it was, how it was such a building block in both of our careers, and most importantly for today's episode, Wonderground is where this friendship started and where we became such good friends. And for that, I'll always be grateful and no other store can ever take that away. It's Disneyland for Designers, episode 37, Wonderground Gallery. 
Jared, normally I say, how are you? Today, Hmm. welcome to the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) Appreciate that. So Jared and I are doing a little bit of, not an emergency episode, but an important episode because as many of you have probably seen over on YouTube or the various blogs or maybe with your own two eyeballs if you've gone to downtown Disney, suddenly this week there was a little bit of Disney magic. Now, sometimes Disney magic is like, how did they make that happen? How did they just do that magic trick in front of my face? And a lot of times it can bring out emotions and it can make us cry and it can make us feel happy. And it's just like, that's why we come here for the magic. Sometimes the Disney magic can go Disney tragic. And so for me personally, when I was given the news that the Wonderground Gallery overnight had vanished and in Mm. its place was a Star Wars trading post, I was confused. I was disappointed. I was frustrated. And then I had to like literally step back, study it. And now I feel like I have a good beat on what's happening. But um, my initial response was like, I felt like I just got like a punch to the stomach. And in my Mm -hmm. video where I talked about how it hurt my feelings, uh, a very kind viewer over on YouTube said, suck it up, buttercup. And so I do realize that there are people that have bigger problems in this world. But I have to say, Wonderground Gallery to me symbolized the culture of downtown Disney. It Mm. made it feel more like a real community than a shopping district. And I, I always thought out of all the shops there, gun to my head or bubble wand to my head Hmm. that was the most important one there maybe outside of world of disney because world of disney is essentially like stepping into disneyland but as far as what the disney brand stands for i always thought it was amazing but like some of us i always thought that it might not last forever Mm -hmm. well i think with disney too nothing lasts forever right um (laughs) uh so i think there's always that and 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 so that's you know this change is tempered with that idea and, and these are unusual times and things like that um but yes i agree i agree that it's something philosophically it's a very different approach for disney to take it's a very bold approach for disney to take in a in a standalone retail thing not just like we're going to release a few prints every so many years that are different yeah but to do a whole store and dedicate it to that and bring these artists out have them in the store all the time drawing uh it's a very like all the way around like a 360 approach to it that i really admired the concept it was in one hand it's a little bit ballsy right like right everything else there is very calculated like sprinkles is one of the most successful like dessert places in the southern california area putting them in there it's a home run same with salt and straw uh black tap that was a big new york city thing that found its way to the west coast this was a great place ballast one of the most popular breweries up and down the East Coast. Like people absolutely love Ballas. You know, all of these things are calculated wins. You know, Lego. Mm-hmm. The, there's nothing that brings gener- multi generational family experiences together better than Lego. All of these things are guaranteed bets. But what I thought that was amazing about Wonderground, because don't forget, the first time I would see Downtown Disney, it would already be there, mm. is to me, I always took it as okay. This is very cool that they're doing this, that they're supporting the arts. And it to me, it just made it feel like that one gallery that can still somehow survive over on Melrose or that one place over on Prince Street in New York City that didn't get pushed out when Apple moved in. Like it mm. just somehow, in my mind, it made it feel way, way more real. It made downtown Disney feel more like a real little community area versus big corporate conglomerate opening up a bunch of shops where they not only charge you rent, but take a percentage of sales. So I, I, I loved that it was there. And then as I became a student of Disneyland, you know, this is me looking at it once I'd lived here for a few years and really started studying the park. I loved that it made downtown Disney feel more akin to Main Street and mm. more akin to Main Street than what Buena Vista Street does in DCA. Like it just made it feel more like an extension of the park. And I think for guests that fly out here and they get stuck in downtown Disney, you know, the day before their tickets go live or the the last day while they're waiting to catch the flight, these little experiences while you're kind of just cruising around downtown Disney, they still make you feel like the Disney magic is at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But again, I I think it's something uh, that it's original. So you look right next door to Wonderground or the location currently, and there's a home store. They could have easily done that 
throughout that whole area, right? Just just break off little extensions of the world of Disney and make these little beautiful store, great stuff. Um, you know, maybe sprinkle in a few original pieces that you can't get somewhere else or something. They could have done that, but to to use this space to devote that space to Wonderground, uh, and the philosophy of it, and um, just like to commit to it, so you know, heartfelt, like like not just pushing it into a corner or making it a small part, and the rest of it is the same stuff that you can see in other parts of the park. I think it was great and it was bold, and it got a lot of attention, um, and a different kind of attention, yes. I think, than you get from most Disney merchandise releases. I think that people always perceive it as differently mm-hmm. because it was fans of the Disney brand making merchandise, making artwork as fans. And so the mm-hmm. fans always responded to it as like, I've always wanted somebody to do this. And so it was the cleverness of it. You know, it was it was like good affordable artwork lies somewhere between um where fine art meets where advertising and fine art sort of cross each other. It's in that intersection. Yeah. So yes, it was merchandise. Yes, on one hand, it was also quote unquote fine art. And so it was that sort of area of imagination where, you know, when you do a signing, um, if you're not out on the sidewalk, if you're inside the shop, you literally get to experience people experience Wonderground for three or four hours at a stretch. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I would always hear when I would be in there doing one of my signings or one of my pop-ups is, Oh my God, look at this. And it was whatever they held up. It didn't matter what it was. It was that excitement that somebody had interpreted the little mermaid or R2D2 or, uh, you know, sure. Marvel, <laughs> Marvel, right. right. All your Marvel stuff that people love so much. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, uh, I mean, I obviously I'm biased. Sure. <laughs> I, I love it. And, you know, I think it's a great concept and everything. And I, and I do agree with you that I think it brought a very different because it was a standalone. Because if you just put this stuff in the corner of, of, of World of Disney, it could cause confusion or like, how come this looks different or you know what I mean? So to showcase it in its own little shop made it really something special. Also showcasing it in its own shop created the guest, the consumer, to go through a curve of learning of what they're looking at. Because mm-hmm. if you take any of this stuff other than and we'll get into this later, like you were a part of a wave of them actually manufacturing products. That's on a different tier. But as far as the paper goods, the art goods, the one of the kinds of the reproductions, if you put that in World of Disney, it doesn't make sense next to a prepackaged Lightning McQueen where 100,000 units are made in Japan or China, brought over to the U.S., sent to toy stores, and World of Disney's like, yeah, we're good for 25,000 of them. Like, it just doesn't make sense because this type of merchandise needs a skilled cast member to explain mm-hmm. to the guests, like, oh, well, I just heard you say $50 for a piece of paper. It's actually a limited piece of artwork done by an artist from New York City that does comic book art, and they did this for Disney. So if you get one of those, you're going to be one of 50, and then it's gone forever. Oh, this is original artwork. Like, you literally hear people learning about artwork, learning about prints, learning about rare, exclusive items. And so, in one sense, it was retail. But in another sense, it was experiential and a learning device. And I just felt like teaching people how to understand the value of art and how art is made. Once you figure that out and and you go through that, maybe you're somebody that's never really... Uh, you know, taking care of the arts. Then when you step onto Main Street and you start looking at Mickey and Pluto and, and you know, all the various characters, you start to see it from a little bit of a different idea of like, oh, yeah, like somebody's got to make all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, I think. And again, like, uh, I, I understand that it's not for everybody, but that's what makes it great, right? Sure. Like, it's not for everybody. We're not going for the lowest common denominator here no. or, you know, anything. Of course, there should be things you don't like in there, and then there should be things that you absolutely love in there. And to refresh it as often as they did so that you keep coming back, and it's not just, well, this is the Halloween line and this is the Christmas line. Um, yeah, they did a great job of doing it. They did an interesting mix, you know, of, of approaches and things, and I one of the things with the signings, which was great, was I'd get a lot of younger people uh, that would say, like, this was their way into Disney as if as a goal, like they wouldn't be able to do these other things that you see in the Disney gallery, but this shows that Disney's open to these other styles and approaches. And maybe it is something that they can sort of express themselves in this way. And I thought that was always exciting to hear people say that. I had a very long and successful career in the visual arts. And through that journey, I met a lot of people. A lot of them were contemporaries. A lot of people that loved art. Mm 
when I got invited to be a Wonderground artist and I was on probation for like six months to a year, selling my own goods in there, doing a pop-up. I think they, they gave us a corner of the store and saw how our stuff sold for their, their guests. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and I just told everybody how much I love Disneyland and how much I love cast members. And I was just, I was just a really big fan of everybody. And I always made sure that I always gave art to all the people that work there. And then we moved over to the next tier, which was printing our own artwork, like literally creating pieces and doing releases, but it was still ours. We had no IP involved. I had right. to earn my way to the castle and that ride to get to that moment. I had never done anything in my career where I had more of my contemporaries ask me how they could do it, what was my contact, and how did I make this happen? Like some people asked me in a very polite but inquisitive way. Some people were down out rude, and some people just clearly overstepped a boundary of like, I want what you have, and it doesn't make sense that you have it, and I don't. (laughs) All three of these different buckets, I took them as a complete compliment because it meant that I was – legitimately working within a structure, within a brand that is the most desirable spot a lot of visual artists that were grown up, raised on pop culture could ever get to. And I was getting ready to quit my design career when this opportunity happened. Mm -hmm. I followed this opportunity. My apologies to the Wonderground. I was one of the worst employees that they ever had because I was building AID, the podcast at the same time. And, and it, I almost said, do I do this? Because I know that I'm done with art. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, that movie where the, that asteroids come into the planet and <laughs> they, they, they got to get a crew of guys together. Right. And, and like, there's always the guys like he doesn't weld anymore. Ever since that accident, he won't weld anymore. You know, like they always have to get the crew of guys together. Well, this was me being part of the crew of guys. I'm like, I'm going in for one more job. And the reason why I did one more job is I always wanted to be able to step on any stage at any design conference and say, I was an illustrator for the Wonderground Gallery at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot to me. And it was a really great way to be the last chapter of my career. So you talk about young kids coming in there, you and I doing signings. And ultimately, I mean, your relationship with theirs just dwarfs mine a thousand times over. But ultimately, us going in there and talking to a guest, we have no idea the transformation that that conversation had with a young Disney fan of talking to me about silk screening or about, you know, how you do your characters, like that little conversation and me or you giving that guest three minutes of our time and giving them a little tip or a little encouragement, that person's still on that journey. And we have no idea where they're going to end up eventually. And yeah, we didn't change our lives or save our lives, but just all the little data, all the little feedback that you get in life ultimately helps you get to where you're supposed to go. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And, and there's something different about being an independent artist and doing this. And so you're answering questions differently than you would if you were, say, a Disney employee. Oh, way um, different. And, yeah. And so that's a very different approach. How do you work for Disney as opposed to kind of how do you do what you do? Right. Um, and, and I think that's what was so unique about about Wonderground, because it sort of it sort of broke down some kind of wall in between. Right. Like the Disney employees where that all gets very mythic, uh, you know, when you're working for Disney as an animator or a viz dev artist or something like that. And then when you're a college student. And, and we sort of fall in that great spot in between. You know, if we're not an employee, but we're not, you know, uh, not working for Disney. A so. collaborator. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it felt like that, too, with them. I loved where I mean, I'm still working with them. It's not like it's done, done. But um, they've been great. They have been fantastic. Where Disney gets sort of this reputation of being very tight about things or sort of overly involved. For me, at least my experience is what I can speak to. They have been absolutely fantastic, and I've I've really loved every minute of it. So no complaints there. Yeah, they were phenomenal to me, and it it worked out well that I worked with them when I did because if they would have found me two years earlier, it probably would have changed the course of my life because I probably would have been like, oh, I've made it, and I probably would have stayed in design and not migrated over to independent content creation, which – I've never been happier doing this type of work. And, right. and it, it's so weird to to have earned a spot at the Disney table and then be like, I'm good, and then get up yep. and walk away. It, it, it feels weird because you and I, we have mutual friends that we mm-hmm. both know would do anything to get that spot. And yep. um, I felt really, really honored to get in there and to do that. So we've talked a little bit about 
what it means to us and being in there and involving that with the guests and how it transcends into a conversation and, and how it, in my estimation, like I really do feel like it puts the culture into uh, downtown Disney. How do you feel about the Star Wars replacement? I would love um, to know your thought on that. So here's the thing. It, it's, it, this is an interesting situation. Uh, of course, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Galaxy's Edge fan. Would this have been expressed. easier for you if it was a Marvel replacement? <laughs> <laughs> yes, much easier. Um, for, so for me, it's not so much a Star Wars versus Wonderground. Like, sure. Uh, all of this makes sense. Like, there's, there's nothing weird about it. And, and the news is that it's um, temporary. We'll see how that plays out and what yeah. that means. Temporary is not a definition, and it even says in the articles there's no timeline. Um, so, you know, can't really speak to that. But it's to me, it's not about that. It's not like, oh, we're picking or choosing one or the other. I think there's room for both to exist. I'm just sad that Wonderground had to go away for this thing to come in. If Star Wars went into, like, the Rainforest Cafe or something like that, or, or just any other spot, or they even moved Wonderground to another spot... Um, that's fine. Like, I, no problem. I wouldn't be campaigning against a Star Wars store no, at all. No, so not at all. I'm fine with the idea of that. Again, you know, we can go into how it doesn't stick with the storyline, though they have crafted a storyline to say why this uh, stuff is here. Um, and that's that's fine. I, I get it. They need to move that merchandise and everything. Uh, so, yeah, I, I no problem with it being a Star Wars. Star. I would like to see more decorations in there, though, and hopefully that's coming. <laughs> well, so hopefully that that's not coming, though, in, in my theory. So, yeah, it's not Star Wars versus Wonderground. Right, right. We both happen to love both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not one or the other. It's just one took the place of the other. So yeah. when I did my video over on YouTube, I didn't want to just be like, this sucks. Like I wanted to flesh out what was happening and kind of cover something that I felt was negative in a positive light. And this is ultimately what I came out with, Jared. The reason why it wouldn't go in Rainforest Cafe, the reason why it wouldn't go in the former ESPN Fun Zone, the the opening gallery of the AMC theater that's completely empty, or the void right around the corner, is mm. all four of those spaces were set up for, for something very specific. Dining, dining, film, or a virtual reality experience. Right. All four of those locations would take an enormous amount of work to get it guest ready. Yep. Because this magic trick could happen in a day, that means that Wonderground could come back in a day. So mm-hmm. if they would have went over to Rainforest Cafe, which visually would make mm-hmm. so much more sense. And that's a Star Wars store that if they would have been like, this is opening up in a month, or if they were quietly doing that over a span of a month and it opened up, that would have been so mind-blowing. But with the way that Disney does things, that would have been tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even a hundred grand. I mean, they spent $200,000 on a new sign that goes over Frontierland. They yeah. like to spend money. So if they would have done that, then it would have been counterproductive of, well, how many Baby Yodas do we need to sell just to get back to even for turning Rainforest Cafe into a retail space. And by the way, we haven't had people in here for two years now. So I really think that if you think about ease of turnover, if you start at World of Disney and work your way all the way up to the security checkpoint at the Disneyland Hotel, it makes sense. It was the easiest thing to flip over. Now, I wouldn't mind if they would have sold Star Wars stuff around Wetzel's Pretzels. That'd be fine with me. (laughs) But other than that, it it. When I looked at it from a logistic point of view, and then I looked at the way that they had hung the tapestries over the sign, Mm -hmm. I feel that this is like, look, right now, every company has to do everything that they can to weather the COVID storm. They had a problem on their hands. They're smart people. They came up with a smart solution. But I do believe that it is the responsibility of Wonderground fans and, and true believers in Disneyland magic to say, I'm very cool with this. I support this temporary. I'm going to go buy a baby Yoda. I, you know, I like that the shop is here, but you better bring back Wonderground. This shouldn't be forever. And I really feel like yeah. that's where our responsibility lies. I agree. I, I think what, what I find sort of sad is that it's not like there are seven Wondergrounds or that the merchandise is everywhere and you just have to go over here and get it, not here now. Right. That the one place that that thing exists had to be turned over to that. Again, I'm biased, but these artists 
they, they receive money for doing this and that's gone. So all these people who are commenting and saying it's temporary, calm down. I think they don't understand that this does impact artists and, and what they do and that they sort of count on this, especially during this time. Um, so, you know, I get that it's temporary. It should come back. I hope it, it certainly does. But I think that doesn't uh, sort of ease the pain for a lot of these people who who are doing work for the gallery. So when I work for the gallery, I can talk about financials because I don't work there anymore. <laughs> okay. So when I work for the gallery to explain to people how it worked is essentially I would sell an item and then time would pass and they would pay me for that item. Well, because Disney is such a huge corporation, if you do your paperwork a certain way, they pay you like 30 days from your transaction. And because like, think about it, they can't do like, like, like let all of my transactions pile up for 30 days and then cut me a check. So it's easier for them to just be like, this is what you sold 30 days ago. The reason why I break that down to people is like, I literally would get an auto deposit in my bank account every single night. And why that is so beneficial to a working artist is because there's a lot of people that don't pay you on time. Like Disney is the rare client that they are the biggest company I ever worked for, and they were the absolute fastest and most efficient mm. payers ever. That was not the same when I worked for Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters almost put me and my family, like literally, in the poorhouse because they waited 100 days to pay us for a huge order that we not only had to design, print, and get approved by them, but then we had to box package, label, and ship everything for them. We were not only their artists, we were their shipping fulfillment. So... Wonderground supporting the arts is an understatement because Disney's payment model is so convenient to the small guy that I could literally float around on my Wonderground payments. And then when Johnny come lately decided to decided to finally send me the big check for the first time in my art career, it could just go all to bills, all to savings, all to like responsible things because I could literally live off of my Wonderground tips. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's great to hear too, because that's been my experience. It has been nothing but uh, a pleasure to to do that and and but, to um, to yeah. But you know what I mean? Like normally, the bigger the client, the harder yes. it is to get the paycheck out. So the fact that Disney is the most efficient payer, it blew me away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pleasant surprise. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. I mean, it's it, it's. It's a great situation. And I know the artists that I've talked to and that I know and stuff, they just love it. You know, yeah. they really love it. And it's sort of a labor of love, too, to do it uh, and to be in that gallery and sit there and represent your work. Sometimes it's um, when you get to be the artist in residence like you, you represent your own personal work, too. It's not just the Disney stuff. So, you know, it's just a great concept and it was so bold of them and I love it. So I just I can't wait for it to come back. And I really I really do hope that uh it does come back. I believe and it is still open in Florida. It is the, okay. the store is still open in, in Orlando, so it's not completely gone. I feel confident that it will come back because this Star Wars shop is a very, very temporary solution to a problem that is a temporary problem. You know, I mean hopefully a year from now we're not still in this spot. It's possible, but hopefully we're not. But the fact yeah. that they probably had so much Star Wars merchandise coming in because this was going to be the year, right? This was going to be the year. Last year, a lot of people that can only make it out to the parks once every five years, once a year, once a lifetime, they were going to wait until Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was done. And last yeah. year was that odd year where it's like, it's going to crush the park. It's going to be over. And then it was busy for two weeks and then it died off. And I really believe because the locals flooded in to see it. But if you're a hardcore Star Wars family that lives in Dayton, Ohio, and you got to buy five airline tickets and you got to buy a hotel and you got to rent a car, you're not going to do that once to see the land and smugglers run and then do it all over again to see the marquee attraction Rise of the Resistance. So this was going to be the year Disney put a billion dollars into that land with a capital B. They probably had so many merchandise events planned you know we've now learned that batu is going to have three different holidays black spire day life day and the harvest festival you know they were probably really thinking that this is the year where we start to get closer to getting back in black like acdc and for that to be taken away from them like all mm -hmm. of us it's completely unfair so when i did that walk down the the thoroughfare there in downtown disney it really pointed out to me, and I thought about the, the home store on the corner. And I believe that the reason why the home store on the corner didn't fall to, to, to this is because, one, it's a, I think it's a little bit of a bigger space. Mm 
And I don't think they wanted to like overly commit. And once again, with the home store, those are items manufactured in China or wherever that are getting shipped and showing up and need to go somewhere. Literally, we could pull apart Wonderground and put all that stuff in my garage. I have a Wonderground yeah. <laughs> right now out in my garage, actually, right, full of right. prints that I can't sell or that I haven't chose to sell. So I, I do think that even the product line, unfortunate to the artists, unfortunate to you and to our, our different friends that, that you know make a portion of their income there, it was just the easiest thing to put on pause because what really is the hard cost? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I completely agree. I, I don't think this was the wrong decision. That's, ne- that's no, I ultimately decided that it was the right decision. Didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it completely makes sense. But I, it's funny that it feels like it's being forced to be one or the other. That if you're sad for Wonderground being changed, uh, that you're against the Star Wars. Story. And, and that is clearly not my message. Um, I want to go to the Star Wars store, in fact, and see these new uh, lightsabers that are coming. Out. Well, yeah, I mean, but you don't even leave your house. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, exactly. But this <laughs> so is, no, no, no. This is the thing, though. It's not an either or. And you and I are smart enough right. to know that. And when I covered it, I was like, okay, there's no reason to spew the venom that, in my yeah. opinion, I think the store looks crappy. I think that it's a horrible layout. It doesn't look good. I think it dishonors Batuu and Star Wars and Wonderground and Downtown Disney all at once. But that's okay because it's not forever. Like if they said the new home of our store's Star Wars store, then I would be critical. But I think right now it looks temporary and it is temporary and and I'm totally cool with that. The thing that did surprise me though, Jared, is a lot of the YouTubers, a lot of the vloggers that many people listen to this show, they watch these folks live their life and, and really, you know, they can go out to the park over and over and over again and take everybody with them. I was very surprised and disappointed that their review was like, if you remember, we were here yesterday, and this used to be Wonderground Gallery, which was really, really cool. But, oh, my God, now it's Star Wars. And, I mean, they were re- literally ready to just kick Wonderground, like, out into the street in front of the bus and be like, well, Wonderground, there it goes. And I was really surprised that there wasn't more of, like, I hope this comes back or we're going to miss that shop. It was just literally, like, on to the next thing. And I don't know. Maybe that's being positive with your content and Disney positivity, but I was a little bit heartbroken as somebody that was a part of a chapter of my life. They're just like, this was this really, really amazing store. And now something better is here. Yeah. Uh, I know you mentioned that I, I didn't get that on my stuff. Of course not, <laughs> but um, yeah, that would be sad. And I think that's why I want to make sure people express their, their, what they do like about this gallery and that they do hope that it does come back. Um, when things change, when, whenever that may be. And we don't have any idea of what that is or when that is. It's not up to us. Obviously, it's this pandemic and, and so many other things. So um, I just hope that there's room for both, right? There is. I think, yeah, and I think there is. So that's why I know I got a lot of people like who, who left very nice comments on it and then some, you know, sort of negative stuff. And I, I want to make sure I say that that is clearly not the goal of this Um so, yeah, I just really love Wonderground, obviously. It's meant a lot to me. It changed everything about my career. And so I hope that that, that it is able to, to come back when things are, are different in some form or another, even if that's a different location or, or an online presence or uh, a pop-up that kind of moves around or something, which was even kind of in theme with the, the type of gallery that it is. Um, I just want to see it come back because I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, I know that in the past you have been a part of events at the Disneyana Gallery uh, at Main Street over in Disneyland proper and then over at Off the Page in DCA. Uh, you know, and I know from time to time, you know, you've also worked at that pop-up kiosk as part of a food and wine festival and you go mm-hmm. out to Epcot as part of the arts. So I, I do believe that they really know what they have here. There's good margins on this stuff, talking about from a business perspective, I'm like, Disney's getting paid. They're 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 making money off of this, which ultimately is is a big part of the goal as well as customer uh, fulfillment and enjoyment. So I do believe that it's not gone. It's just temporarily on pause, and that would make sense in these times. You know, to what can you focus on? Where do you want to go? Um, I'm sure for artists that are suffering right now to have that one last bit of income taken from them probably wasn't the the best thing in the world, but I do believe ultimately it will get back. But Hey, to do this episode proper, we have to talk about, you know, did it happen? Did our feelings on star Wars, our feelings on the store, mine's a little bit more critical than yours, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But we do have to sort of 
address it from all those different angles. But what I would like to do with the rest of this episode is I would really like to talk about some of the magical times we had there, what what it meant to us, what it, what it is part of the culture, and just sort of, you know, not speak at the grave of, of Wonderground because I don't right. think that it's that, but really remind people that this is something that I believe that it's worth fighting for. And also, I know that we do have people listen to the show that work over at Disney and just kind of give them um, a bird's eye view into how people perceive this product. Because a lot of times when you stand next to something, you have a hard time of seeing it for what it is. So, I mean, Jared, I know that this has changed your career, but I would love to know this. Once you got in there and you were doing the artwork, like that's cloud nine. But when they said, we're thinking about turning Hipster Mickey into a produced product, like we're going to manufacture, no longer we just like you make a print and we'll sell it, but we're going to manufacture like a hard good and market it and put it in various stores. Like what was going through your mind the day that you got that email or that phone call or set in that meeting? Uh, so with these things, it's always sort of a slow drawn out process. Um, and, and I, since I'm not an employee, you know, I'm not going to meetings. I'm not hearing about the planning for these things or something like that. It's just when they come to me for the final things. And the, there's a pessimism in me that never goes away. And, and I don't know if it's just... Let me tell you about being Jared's friend. Like that. Being Jared's friend is pointless because I don't learn anything until you learn something. Like the, right. He will not tell anybody anything because he's afraid that it's going to jinx him or it's not going to happen. I know like three Jared secrets and he just will not tell... It's pointless being his friend, guys. You know, download the show. You'll know as much as I do. Because it feels like if I say it, I'm going to ruin it. Um, I love that. So about I'm very you. like superstitious about that kind of stuff. And well, and because the truth is, you don't know if it's going to happen or not. Uh, these things can get derailed so easily because of whatever the case. Um, so even like with the Mickey ears and things like that, um, I'm, I'm just very cautious. I'm like, okay, we're at this stage. We're at the design stage. Okay, they've approved the designs, and then manufacturing and all that. They go off and do that. And again. I have no part of that, so I don't know at what stage things are at or, or where they're at. So I, I'm just waiting till I see the actual thing. <laughs> and then I'm waiting to see that thing on the shelf and that it's made it into the store. And because of these, the manufacturing on these things, we do these things so far in advance that um, you, it's not that you forget about it, but you did the work so long ago, you, you kind of put it in the back of your mind until you actually see this thing on the, on the shelf. Uh, but of course, that's a magical moment, and and then it's a whole stress about if it's going to sell and all that stuff. But just there's to just, see that the, <laughs> there's such little joy in your life. So when just you, to see that thing exist is is fantastic. So work me through this moment. Yeah, hipster Mickey, the vinyl figure. Mm-hmm. How did they tell you that was happening? Um, phone call, email, so, or meeting? Phone. It's always a phone call, a phone call or an email. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a phone call. It was a phone. Call. Okay, so you got the phone call. Does that phone call bring you insane joy or insane anxiety? Uh, I have more joy than anxiety. Um, Are you sure? It, <laughs> positive, positive. But here's the thing. Like I try to tell myself, don't get too excited because if it does not work out, then you're going to be like, oh, that was the thing. And now everything's ruined. You know, like they always say, one door closes, another door opens. And we've had to have projects that have started and stopped sure. and, and things like that for various reasons. So. You know, something like I would never have imagined they would do a vinyl doll like that was never in my thought when we did the artwork or, or even when it did well. Um, I never thought that that would come. So it wasn't like I was waiting for it or hoping for it. So it just came out of the blue. So I thought, yeah, of course, I'd love to see that. Uh, but I was skeptical. Uh, but thrilled that they would even be considering to take this version of Mickey <laughs> and and make him something so substantial as this tall vinyl figure. And then you would go on to do the box, the blind box. Uh, it's a small world series. You mm-hmm. would do the, uh, w- what was the kingdom one called? Kingdom of Q. Kingdom of Q. Uh, yep. For the 50th anniversary, the blind box Haunted Mansion series. And then also yeah. last year, the iconic Mickey. I mean, those are five solid releases. Right, right, right. So yeah, each one, again, I feel the same way about each one. Like to go to a blind box thing, I thought, I, I never thought we would do that. that. We never did that at Wonderground before. So it wasn't like you came to it thinking, oh, I got to do that. Like that's on my list of things I want to do. Um, so yeah, I was thrilled. Um, uh, but again, you know, you're just, 
you're waiting and you're watching and the internet can be both a joyful place and a scary place. Sure. And it, it always is the case. Uh, and you can't help but watch that stuff. So there's also that anxiety too of it coming out and is it is it doing well and, and things like that. So we're um, we're basically the same age. Yes. Do you remember Cruel Intentions? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember when Ryan Philippe and that other chick was like, she will be her greatest conquest. And they're like going to ruin this girl's life. Sometimes I feel right. like that that's in your mind. Like that's who you are. And Wonderground is like, and one Ryan Philippe is, is Wonderground. And then that other woman is Disney. And then you're the one that's going to be their greatest conquest. And like, we will make him our greatest <laughs> conquest. No, no, no. I know. I mean, never feel like it's ill will, but it's just, it doesn't, take much to derail like when i first got the call for wonderground in general it, it didn't exist it wasn't like i knew about it and i thought oh i want to work there you know i want to get my work into that gallery so again it was the same thing i'm like sure i'll do some pieces this probably isn't going to happen or it's going to be a temporary thing or something like that so I, I don't know it's just part it's sort of built into my dna to approach everything like that but um it it makes it when it does succeed it makes it all the more satisfying for me oh and i forgot to mention last year at d23 when we were on top of the world the mickey years the designer yeah. mickey years i mean to work your whole life and, and to get to be up there with uh you know people that are judges on america's next top talent that's got to feel so great to get into that rarefied earth i mean dude that is an amazing accomplishment yep again something i wouldn't have dreamt of something that wasn't an existing thing um, so, yeah, again, and that we did very early and it took forever. And there was just radio silence for a while on what was happening with that because they were planning that thing so far out in advance. Um, and so even some of the other artists we would talk to, like, have you heard anything about the ears? And, yeah, you know, yeah. And so that one I didn't um, know about that one. You spilled the beans on because that was a long yeah. ride. That was a long ride. So you just never know what's going to happen or, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. You just manage expectations. <laughs> So. so for me, when I got the invite, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm such a right. huge Disney fan that I was so worried to like, I didn't want to announce it and be called a liar. And and then I was also so worried about how hard would they be with approving my artwork and would it get, because I've had so many projects canceled at the last minute. And I was working so hard on my prints, like literally all four pieces that I did originally for Wonderground, it was the four times that I absolutely applied myself and worked the hardest in my career. Like literally worked the hardest I'd ever worked in my career. Um, to get How did they approach you? So the way that they got a hold of me was I got an email mm -hmm. and it said, we have a project. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, absolutely, but you have to sign an NDA and all this paperwork before they even tell you what the project is. Right. So I didn't know if they're finally building Mark Bricky the Dark Ride or what. So <laughs> I contacted them and they said that they wanted to come in. And, you know, like I said earlier, we did the, the, the standalone. And then eventually they said, you know, if you would like to um, submit some ideas, we'd love to see what you could do within Disney. And so my immediate question was like, I don't care about the movies. I want to do something park-based. And they said, oh, well, if you do a park base, that's a whole different set of people that got to approve it. And so I was just literally thinking that they're going to just beat me up on all of the revisions. Hmm. And the revisional process was absolutely so easy and so effortless. There was one pushback on my very, very first print. They said, we don't think that this is properly to scale. And I wrote back and I'm like, the concept of the piece is that it's supposed to be the way that a child remembers it and not the way that it looks. And I don't know if that was really, really good bullshit or what, but after that, there was never another revision. And Jared, they were so quiet on revisions that I literally thought, well, once I get done, they're going to be like, yeah, we don't like this. <laughs> because <See? laughs> normally a client will give you so much tiff for tat that yeah. you know that they're unhappy with this thing and they want that thing. And they were literally like, yeah, it looks good. It looks good. And so, because I'm an insane hard worker, I printed my stuff live in the gallery and um, making art at Disneyland on the actual resort grounds, like not just standing there. Cause I, you know, I did a signing with you. That's actually how Jared and I met was at a signing mm -hmm. we did together. Um, I remember that day uh, for every 20 things Jared would sell, I would sell one. And um, 
I just remember going, who does this guy think he is? I, mean, <laughs> I was just like Googling the whole time, Jared Mir Yuma. And they're like, that's not even his last name. I'm like, don't tell me how to say his last name. I'll never even need to know this last name. Like, I'm, like I would never need to know this guy's last name. I'll never have to say it once a week. So I, um, I went and, and, and printed there. And so at a signing, people come up and it's kind of awkward because you're just staring at them and they're like, yeah. it, it can be very awkward if yeah. if they're not prepared with something to talk and they expect you just to entertain them. But with the printing, it's so interactive because people could just come up. They're like, what are you doing? Or, How does it work? Or And I would always have a bunch of scrap paper and I'd let people just take a pull, you know, like print once on their own. And I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know how cool Disney was with that, that I'm just putting on a one-man show. But, like, <laughs> one of the things that I could do is to make the print stay on the table. There's a, It's like an air hockey table. There's all these little holes everywhere. And you yeah. hit a pedal, and the vacuum makes the paper stick down. So when you print on it, the moisture doesn't make the paper stick to the screen, and it stays on the table. You're just vacuuming it down to stay. So I love theatrics, and I make the vacuum a little bit louder than when it needs to be. Because every time I hit the pedals, they're like, whoa, somebody's making something. And I have a, I bought a really, really long power cable for the pedal because I'm a showman. And so I would be printing. And if I noticed little kids were watching me, I'd look over them and go, hey, man, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. <laughs> can you do the pedal for me? And they'd be like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, trust me, you can do it. I need you to do it. I can't handle this on my own. So the floor in there is slick. So I just kick the pedal with my foot right over there. So I go, when I look over my shoulder at you, you step on that pedal and whatever you do, don't let go until I tell you. And they'd be like, okay. So the first time they're like terrified, grown yeah. man, long hair. I had long hair then, big beard covered in tattoos. And so I'd look over at them and they press down the pedal and I'd pull them like, all right, all right, you can let up. Now if they let up, it would have, it would have not right, broke anything. Right, right. But literally they were now making the art with me and I yep. must've did a hundred prints one day and I had an Elsa and a Snow White working the pedal. And then eventually mm -hmm. they're like, if we trade off every other time, this is a lot of work. I'm going to do 10 and then you're going to do 10. And the mm -hmm. mom was like, are you girls ready to go to the park? We're like, no, we're going to see this through. Like they were all in on the printing and printing a poster with a little Elsa and a little Snow White or Anna, whichever one it was, printing a poster with those two little girls dressed up to go to Disneyland and they just wanted to see art be made. I'll never, ever forget it, man. Like those yeah. interactions with guests and being for one day, being officially a part of the show, I'll never forget it. Exactly. I think that that's exactly right. And I have like so many of those stories, whether it's these little you know, interactions with kids or um, young kids who, who like their parents kind of roll their eyes and say he insisted on coming for this or, or things like that. You know, just having those little conversations with these people, it's the best thing. And so, of course, I'm sad to see that go and can't wait for that to come back. But it's like that was my window, just like you were describing there, my window, my way of participating in the Disney magic that's, you know, that I love so much. And then to get to actually sort of participate in that way is just the best part of, of doing stuff for that gallery. So it's not just about the work or the sales or things like that, obviously. It's about these connections you get to make with people, and it's such an original um, thing to be able to do that in that location for this company. So, 360, yeah, I love those kind of stories. 360, the entire experience, dealing yeah. with the three women that I dealt with that ran Wonderground, dealing with the guests, working with the cast members, printing yep. live, selling stuff, getting paid, making the artwork, the subject matter, 360, I have zero, zero complaints about my time right. with Warner Brown. It was hands down the absolute best chapter to end that chapter or the best chapter to end my art career with. Um, and it was just one of the best experiences of my life. And mm -hmm. my only complaint is maybe that, you know, that it didn't properly align with my goals or where I was moving on to or what I was doing. But just to have experienced it for two years was two really, really special years. And just my dad has had, I'm not, I'm going to try not to cry, but my dad has had a okay. really hard time understanding what I do for a living. He, yeah. He's a great guy. He worked his ass off to take our family from like lower level to like, um, what's that when you're in the middle there? I'm emotional. Middle class. Middle class yes. <laughs> we were destined to be lower class and my dad busted his hump and got us into middle class. And because of that, me and my sister have done 
very, very well for ourselves. And mm. my dad literally busted his neck to get us further than what he was ever promised or given. But in doing that, my dad has had a very hard time understanding the arts. He's a truck driver. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that worked his entire life, saving every penny for retirement. And I'm a dreamer and explorer. And I've made a living off of making posters and being in a rock band and doing a podcast. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of times when it was hard for my dad to understand my life and my decisions. But him going into the Wonderground Gallery and yeah. seeing his son's artwork at Disney. Now, Disney, when you're from Kentucky, this is like big time Hollywood. Like this is a thing that he saw on TV on Sunday nights. You know, this is the top rung of the art world and this man's knowledge. And he walked up there and he went up to the counter. And he's like, my boy made that. Yeah. And he just wanted to tell everybody that I made it. And there's not many times I can remember my dad being proud of me physically in front of me because he's tough. He's a badass. But this was a moment when he was just like smiling ear to ear and wanted to tell everybody, my son made that. Um, and the prints are still hanging in his house. And that yeah. just, you know, nobody went to see me graduate from high school. Nobody ever went and saw my band play that got big enough to play arenas. Mm-hmm. This was one of the very first times in my life that somebody in my family could acknowledge what I was doing and be proud of it. And one of the hands down best Disneyland memories I'll ever have. So we're going emotional here. Wasn't expecting this. That is, <laughs> that is a lovely story. Uh, and I completely agree. Like same thing for me. Um, working for Disney gives you a weird validation, whether earned or not. Yep. Um, whether it's among your peers or, or your family or people who know nothing about you, you get a certain level of credibility um, that it just kind of comes with the gig. Uh, and I felt the same way. This was the first time when we did the first signing at the opening. This is my whole family came and they've never come for anything. Yep. But Disney <laughs> is, grew- is understandable. It is perceived as the absolute top tier in entertainment and arts. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I grew up in a sports family. My brother and sister played sports. So everything, everything about the family centered around that. Summers were spent going to all these games and other cities and things like this. We're constantly going to these things. And then it's high school games throughout the year. And Jared went to had- college on a football scholarship. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> That's right. People <laughs> So to have my whole family come and show up for this thing, because for them, for that to break through and them to realize not whether this is going to be successful or not, they don't really care, but they understood that this was for Disney. Right. This was something that was big and they wanted to be there for that. Thank goodness we had a line. Um, but yes, <laughs> I felt the same exact way. Uh, and again, with my pessimism and stuff, I'm getting all nervous that it's going to be like, nobody's here. It's going to be a ghost town and sure. people are confused about this. And it wasn't. And you know, it's funny that you take like parts of your family are kind of always proud for you, but then it's like your dad that might be the hangout. So that's the one you want it to break through. Yeah. So to hear about that, to hear that my dad was sort of taken in by that whole experience was very rewarding in a way that I can't, you know, quite explain. And, and you never say it out loud. You don't have a discussion about it. No. You just recognize these little things. So it's little things like that happening over and over again for me at this gallery. And that's why it's become so important for me beyond just the physical thing. And so I know a lot of people think it's just about sales and getting your stuff out there. And it is about that. But for me personally, it's been this very personal journey and on all of this that's built into it. And I'm sure it is for like you and the other artists, too. So the debate online is a little off. Um, and I have to be clear that I love working for this company. Like they've been so good to me and, and all these other divisions of the company as well. And I, I, it's not a complaint. It's just that I love this so much that I'm, <laughs> I'm gripping onto it as tightly as I can. So that's where all of this comes from. I mean, I think everybody would understand that this has been a huge chapter in your life. It's mm-hmm. a big part of how you support yourself. All of the different branches that have sprouted from working at Wonderground. I mean, your career yep. with Disney, Wonderground Gallery is the trunk and all of the other opportunities are branches that have grown off of that trunk of the tree. Sure. And it, it's been a really great experience for you. So of course you're going to uh, lobby and do what you can to try to save it and, and, and who wouldn't. And, you know, if nobody said anything, then they would be justified to pack it up and go away with it. But it really does mean a lot of people. And, and I saw a lot of people, you know, celebrating you and, and, and telling you about experiences they had meeting you there. And, you know, when I think back about the, the times I was there, one of the things that I got to do, and it's just, it's like a silly thing, right? But 
For whatever reason, when I found Disney as an adult, it really just, it resonated with me. It, it just, it solved some sort of puzzle in my design mind. You know, I, I don't have a basement. I don't have a huge home. I always wanted a model train, not because I like trains, because I wanted to build the city around the train set. And when I went to Disneyland for the first time, I really felt like I was walking inside of that model train set. And I can't explain yep. to you how important the, the city and civic planning of Disneyland is to me. And the last six months have been hard because yep. this is a place I go that makes me happy. It's a place I go for escapism. And it's also a reward for a life where I work like a dog. And I've been working like a dog with no reward and like I had a breakdown cry moment yesterday because it's like I can't even imagine getting back. Like I can't, like at this moment, six months out, I can't even imagine like a free willing day where you text me and go, "Hey, I just got done here. What, you, like you want to grab some food at the park tonight?" Or me texting you and be like, "When you're done with your signing, I got nothing going on. You want to come down there yeah. and, and get some drinks and go crush the park? Like I can be down there in thirty minutes. Like, yep. I can't even imagine it being random. I can't even imagine having that much freedom right now. And so. One of the things that I did, because it just means so much to me, is I bought a brand new squeegee when I would for printing there. Yeah. And it was a wood squeegee that hadn't been covered in all the ink stains and everything. And I wrote on the back of it, dreams do come true at Disneyland. And mm -hmm. I kept it facing the outside of the window. So anybody that walked by me would see that I was somebody living my dream at Disneyland. And it wasn't a ride. It wasn't a treat. It wasn't being proposed to. Nobody ever proposes to me. But it was literally this place symbolizes everybody being on their best behavior. And sometimes if you do that, somebody else will acknowledge it and things will happen. I'm a redneck kid from Kentucky. I never should have ended up living in Southern California. I never should have ended up being anybody that could honestly put on the resume that I did illustration work for the Disney Corporation. Yeah. I, I should have never had any of their money land in my bank account. I should have only <laughs> ever spent money with them. So to write that there and just to be a symbol of right here, right now, this is Wish Upon a Star. This is the Walt Disney story materialized in one person living their yep. dream, every print, every pool. I don't even care if you buy it. I just right. wanted to make it. Yep. It's my favorite memory. And I love that shop. I love what it did for me. I love what it did for the community. And I'm not even going to mourn it because I just know that it makes too much sense that it will come back. And Disney, they have been, they were an amazing company for me to work for. I would tell you if they weren't, I'm an honest guy. Honesty is my brand. And they have been so awesome with the rollout of the Galaxy's Edge. There were so many times that they could have charged more. They could have made it a mm -hmm. specialty. They could have did this. They could have did that. Like, they really have a customer first mentality to everything. And I just, they've done a really good job during the quarantine of not getting grubby and not getting weird. And these are just survival times, man. And so yes. something that we love has to go away for a little while. I feel rest assured that it'll be back and I hope everybody goes there and buy Star Wars stuff and I hope you yep. take photos in the store and I hope that five years from now we're like, dude, you remember during the mask days when that was a Star Wars store? <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars store might actually get me out of my cocoon here and into downtown Disney. I have not been yet since. So there you go. So I'm all for it. If but, um, you go yeah. with anybody other than me podcast over <laughs> i'll for sure for sure go with you but you're right telling that story which is just wonderful to hear uh, it is that emotional it is that personal and i think that gets lost sometimes because we don't promote that that's not something i put on my instagram no feed um but but it definitely is that personal to me it was this is a little weird but it was my home at disneyland yes um, it was and, and to go there and to see the cast members and they're always so nice and they treated me so well uh and then sometimes they'd confuse me for joey chu but that's okay because i love joey um but it was hold just on, this hold on, wonderful hold on, hold on. you're not joey chu <laughs> no i'm sorry this is oh, very gosh. awkward I have, this, this is, is real awkward should we stop here <laughs> i thought jared was your nickname joey <laughs> yeah exactly but to go there and see that, or if I go on uh, just, you know, uh, randomly being down there and the, the cast members come over and say hello and when are you coming back? And 
gosh, it's just such a wonderful. And I don't doubt that that would happen if I go to the Star Wars store or sure. some of the same people. But um, yeah, that's why for me, it's just so heartbreaking to see it to see it change. And, you know, it's one of the things that I would consider going back to normal would be to see that Wonderground back um, to go back there and do a signing or to see the the stuff there so to see that go away just i think it's a the emotion is heightened right now to make it seem like everything is changing so yeah um you know it was such a great experience i got to meet you there It, it was it was something that for sure changed my life and you know i i totally get what you're saying where Everything right now is heightened and emotional and everybody on the internet is ready to fight about something or another. Yeah. yeah and, sure. you know, I just wanted to make a video that just really sort of clarified, like, look, this is all signs point to this being very temporary. After I made my video, I saw a couple of press releases where they were using the term temporary. Uh, but I just want to give everybody a well-rounded idea of like, it's temporary. This is why this happened. But this is also why Wonderground is important. And this is also mm-hmm. what makes Disneyland different than their competition because they do so many things like Wonderground that they never have to do. They would never have to burden themselves with this and they would be fine. But they do do it and it makes a huge difference. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one line- I would hate I would hate for that message to get lost in sort of that social media buzz about it uh, one way or the other. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I purposely didn't post anything that's not me talking because I'm just not a good writer. And I can hmm. I can be critical and loving in a podcast or in a video where someone from Disney could be like, all right, this is a fair, well-rounded opinion. And I understand where they're coming from. Um one last little thing. I, this is like the type of nerd stuff that I think a lot of our listeners would enjoy. So when you print posters at Wonderground, yeah, they let you put your car backstage. And <laughs> let me tell you this, friends. Not only have I got to go through the side gate, not only have I driven my car under downtown Disney, but they knew how much I loved the park. And the, my liaison that I would work with, she's like, you can just leave your car down there. So I have crushed days at Disneyland with my automobile parked beneath Wonderground Gallery. Now, what does this mean, friends? That means at the end of the day, when I'm done and you got to go walk down to Mickey and Friends or get on a tram, long live the champion, I literally just walked through a set of doors, took an elevator down, got in my car, and boom, just popped out next to where the Grand Californian is. Having your car parked inside of the park is one of the most amazing nerdy experiences ever and for that i will always think wonderground was amazing <laughs> it's yeah it's great because because we're not employees that stuff is still extremely magical so like when they would bring us in for signings or something like yep. california adventure we'd have to go around the back and oh. just to see things like oh the parade's getting ready to go or something like that i would just i'm like this is like uh, an old-fashioned movie set it felt like you know like <laughs> you're seeing just these things in the props and they're working on this over here amazing I mean, it never ceased to um get me all giddy about doing what i do i'll probably talk about this later i in fact i know i'll talk about it later but just a quick version of the story i'm in a cab i have been working non-stop to get ready for uh, a vacation beth and i were going to london and then ultimately going to paris and i was going to go to mm-hmm. disneyland paris and I'm going to LAX and I'm just in that mindset of like, I have worked literally like the last eight days in a row, taking no breaks so that I could take a 10 day vacation. And as my friend Biggie says, you never really go on vacation. You just take those hours and you dump them on your life before and after the trip. But you're going to get yeah. that work done one way or the other. So I'm just like numb. I'm going to Europe for the first time. And I'm like, did I lock the house? Are the dogs okay? Like just all of that <laughs> stress. And I get this email on my phone. And this is early October. I got an email on my phone that I had been invited to the Disney candlelight procession. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to cry about that because I can't cry three times in one episode. But all right, getting invited to that, an mm-hmm. annual tradition that celebrates those that make Disneyland the place that it is. Holy Mickey. I had never felt so accomplished in my life. The night that we went there, I got super early and I wanted to be the first person in that line. And I just want to stand there proud like (laughs) I am a part of this corporation. And then to see the show on a building that I had been hired to design, get out of here. Get out of here, man. These are memories. This is why you live your life like a madman, folks. This was two years of my life. 
that created so many memories, so many emotional points that no one can ever take away from me. And now to just move mm-hmm. on to the next thing. This right. is why you live your life as extreme as possible because you just keep opening all these doors and having all these experiences. And at the end of the day, when you die on your deathbed, your 401k, the car you drive, the house you bought, the vacation home you bought, who you went, where you, but it doesn't matter. Only thing that you really can take with you at the end are your experiences. Like what we talked about today, Jared, always fun hanging out with you. I wish this chapter of your career. um, I hope that this somehow turns into a much better tomorrow. Me too. Me too. I'm all for it. And and thank you for, for talking about this and, and expressing this and sharing those stories. I, tr- I don't think I've even heard uh, as long as I've known you. So it's fantastic that you're able to, sh- to, to share that. So thank you. You know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Jared. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's somebody, at home, somebody at home is like, wait a minute. Did, did Bricky just lie to us for the whole episode? <laughs> You'll never know. It was true. There you go, friends. A little bit of a different episode, a little bit of a different conversation. And hopefully that's why you like Disneyland for Designers. Hopefully that's why you like what we do over here. Because we do mix it up. And we do focus on the community and friendship aspect of Disneyland just as much as we do the attractions, the fun facts, the history. I mean, all of that stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. I can talk about it for hours. But ultimately, what we're realizing right now is, yeah, the park's closed. and We can't get in there. We, we can't enjoy it. We can't be there with our friends and our loved ones. But the magic is still alive. And even though the park is closed, the magic comes from the people. It comes from the community. And I'm happy that we've created a place on the internet where we celebrate both the things that happen inside of the gate and the things that happen outside and the friendship and the bond that truly is what Disneyland has become to me and hopefully you. Hey friends, I know it's wild, wild days. We'll get through this together and we'll get back in the park together. And I cannot wait to see you there until the next time we meet live the magic every day and go find me over on YouTube putting up daily little videos every day just to keep the conversation going and try to bring you the best Disneyland news possible. I appreciate you.